Well, welcome to the Change Podcast. I'm Brent Stone, and man, I am I'm so excited for you all to meet my friend George here. We have um, a really cool story about how we met, which isn't really for today, but you know what story is for today? He's going to talk about the how Jesus changed his life. That's that's the stories for today. So actually, George and I were just getting a chance to catch up, and he's got some really great stuff. Some some transformative things have been happening in his life over the last couple of months. But I'm going to flip it to him, let him tell you about his background and what's been going on in his life. And I am so excited for you to hear from him. So man, take it away. Brent, thanks for having me on, man. I'm always on fire to talk about Jesus. I mean, this is kind of uh, the, cent- the center of my life. And this year, particularly, I've been having so many double down moments uh, you know, with Christ. And um, the world and the people around me have conspired to really help me enter into that new season of my life. And so, yeah, I mean, a little about me. I, I was born in Dallas, Texas. Um, I'm a transplant to the downtown San Diego area. So I've been here for about uh, about five years now. And um, I'm in the digital marketing space, um, sales and marketing online. So I'll get right to my uh, conversion story. I mean, it happened really young for me early, honestly, Brent. It was yeah. 13 years old, 12 to 13 for me. And life at that really, really young stage of life for me, it was, I remember being the happiest I had ever been in my formative years, two parent household, traditional Hispanic family, um, honor roll student, um, uh, student council president, like, man, whenever I was in those grade school years, I was flying high in my little young life, right? But then my life got kind of flipped upside down. Um, I look back on it now. And it was, I think it was a bit of an existential crisis, you know, like, the kid to a man, the whole transfer that was hitting me heavy. To be specific, um, it was a bit of a, a perfect storm of things that happened in my life. There was a, a couple of key deaths in the family at that time. So that threw into my mind the idea of life and death for the very first time. Um, I, My family was growing and changing too. So like I have three older siblings. I'm the youngest. Um, so there was kind of a, a bigger... A lot of changes and dynamics in the family in terms of my older siblings getting into their teenage years, them getting into their own, you know, growth phases. And so I was kind of seeing all that happen. But the biggest thing that hit me whenever I was 12 to 13 was bullying to, to, you know, believe it or not, bullying really hit me heavy and bullying hit me from um, kind of like a taunting, verbal taunting to an outright physical aggression, punch in the face, kicked in the ribs, like pretty bad. And um, looking back on it, I wasn't so mad or upset about the bullying, though it was pretty bad. I was upset with myself because I allowed the bullying to happen because I didn't do anything about it. Hmm. Mom and dad always taught me, hey, don't fight. Don't be aggressive. Do what the teacher tells you. Uh, be obedient, good things will happen to you, which hindsight, that's terrible, <laughs> kind of terrible advice because you got to know to stand up for yourself. You got to know to speak up. You got to, you know, all these things, but I don't blame parents, parents, great parents. But during that time, um, I had kind of a perfect storm of, of darkness. 
again, looking back on it now, hindsight, there was a spirit there. I know it because for the first time in my life, and I haven't felt this since I had, I had deep anxiety and had deep depression to sure. the point where yeah. I, I didn't want to wake up in the morning. I didn't want to go to school the night before, you know, the school day, I would, I would get into anxiety about the next day, heavy. And again, what I, what I started out with Brent is that before that I was flying high. I was really happy. I was peaceful. Everything was good. But then all of a sudden, everything kind of just flipped upside down. Now, God in my life at that point was only going to church on Sunday. And it was only some Sunday school classes where it was more about hanging out with friends. And it wasn't a deep faith. Sure. And to be honest, my whole family at that time, we didn't have a deep faith, really. It was really more of just, we know there's a God and that's basically it, you know. Um, some light prayers here and there, but nothing deep. So my conversion story was just that, man. I hit, I hit a wall and my parents were wanting to take me to, you know, psychiatrists and, but we were re low resources, so they couldn't really do that. So they sent me to the school counselor, school counselor was like, oh, he needs some, some more professional help that I, I can't help him with. So I was there and it was just living hell for like, however long that was, you know, better part of a month to two months. And so the way that that was solved was, I mean, I just, I just said, you know what, I'm out of options in my young mind. I said, I heard about God. I heard about prayer. Um, I've never actually fully deeply prayed with my whole heart. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I still remember that I was at night beside my bed. I got on my knees and you know what I said, I kind of like, had that moment with God, I said, God, I mean, I don't know if you're real. I don't know if you're there, um, but I need you right now. And so, I mean, I'm going to pray with my whole heart and basically let's just see what happens. And so I did that uh, and I essentially surrendered myself. I surrendered my burdens to, to Christ and I prayed with my whole heart. And the funny thing, Brent, is that I thought I was praying for like 30, 45 minutes at the time because it was so intense, but I actually ended up praying the entire night and waking up in a little ball beside my bed. You know, wow. that's, that's how intensely I prayed. Wow. And so I just remember I woke up, you know, sun shining through the blinds and man, the peace that I felt, Brent, like the lightness, the peace, the answered prayer effect, right? And I, I felt that instantaneously from one night to the next morning. And at that time I thought, you know, wow. I was like, I had a few thoughts. Number one, is this real? You know, this, is this, am I actually feeling this after feeling such a deep despair for a long time? Next, how can I get more of it? You know, I was like, how can I get more of this? I need some guidance, some counsel. I need to open the Bible. I need something. Right. And three, which has kind of led me to where I am now in my walk of life. What can I ever do to give thanks for this? And so that's basically set out my whole faith journey at that point. And then shortly after that, actually immediately after that, I, I got up and I got to my nearest church and I went out there and I was like, how can I be involved? How can I be? And I had such a zeal, had such enthusiasm. I was just this 13 year old or 12 to 13 year old kid out there. I was like, how can I, how can I partake in the church? How can I be here? How can I be here? 
And funny story, but the church that I went to was, they had like a English ministry that had Spanish ministry. And so I went to the English ministry and they turned me away because I was not 13 yet. They said, you're too young to be in these groups, you know, without parent supervision. So they said, we hear you, we see you, but you have to wait a little bit before you can actually partake. Really? And That's I interesting. Remember, I remember walking with my head in shame, just like back home. And then I heard the Spanish ministry playing guitars around the corner. And so I was like, I'm gonna go ask them. And they were like, oh, sure, you're fine. You're 12, no problem. So they, they let me <laughs> they let me worship and pray and Bible study with them. I guess That's they had so a little awesome. bit of looser rules there, so. <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness <laughs> yeah exactly yeah no that's so awesome man that's that's great and so you had this this experience when you were a child and you were able to then start fostering your relationship with jesus since then so <clears throat> what are some what are some things because a lot of people that hear this they they might not have that story and they they might think well that's really good for you but man, I, you know, I, I've done all these things. I've, you know, I've been through all these, whatever, you know, must've been easy for you, which obviously I know a little bit about your story, um, which I know that's not the case. So is there anything encouraging you could share? Like what, you know, what things you went through maybe through, you know, like, uh, your later teens and then getting into your professional, uh, work, working life that, you know, maybe even though you were, you'd found Jesus and you're developing that relationship. What, what happened, you know, through those formative years while you were trying to chase after Jesus, because a lot of people, um, some people, thank goodness you did, you know, a lot of people, uh, don't find Jesus when they're that young. And, um, I was actually on the way out, you know, <laughs> I, I grew up in, 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 a, in a, in a home that was like encouraging, encouraging, you know, a relationship with Jesus. And my parents are awesome. I was just, not interested, you know, 12, 13 years old, I was trying to go in the opposite direction as fast as possible. And I know, uh, now, um, you know, some of the spiritual influences that were really trying to come against me, but I made choices. Right. So I, I'd love to hear from your perspective, you know, how is that, you know, you were actually coming into walk and desiring to, to walk with Jesus and I was on the way out. So this is, this is great. Yeah, yeah, Brent, it's an interesting point. I look back on it now and I, I meet people and they tell me exactly what you tell me. It's like, whoa, God came into your life powerfully at a young age. And most people, they have that in their 20s or in their 30s, let's say. Um, you know what? For me, it was it was purely by God's design. And here's why, because immediately after that transformation in my heart, when Christ came into my life, I always like to say, um, well, I used to say when um, Christ came into my life, but really he was always trying to get into my the door of my heart. There was so much clutter behind the door. He couldn't push it in. And I right. had to remove it all. I had to remove my ego, my self-reliance, my pride. Even though I was so young, I had to remove all of those things because whenever I was going through my situation, I was trying to fix it all by myself. I was trying to strategize and I was trying to will my way to, you know, sanity. Um, but whenever I completely let go and I said, God, you're the boss, let God be God. That's exactly whenever God said, okay, one day to the next easiest thing ever. Now 
your joy is returned, my son. All right. What took you so long? You know, <laughs> um, so beautiful. So the awesome. Biggest thing, the biggest thing that happened after that, Brent, crazy. And I'm so grateful to God. I'm the youngest in my family. So you got to imagine now, mom, dad, all my older siblings, they see me be one way. They see me go through a dark time. And then they see me like at church 24 seven, like every day at church, picking up the Bible, picked up a guitar, playing in the choir, always there, always there. Plus weekend retreats, like for years and years and years, you know, my formative years. So that changed something so in their awesome. hearts. Yeah. One by one. I do. I kid you not. One by one. Mom, dad, all my siblings. I have two older sisters and an older brother. Um, they one by one, they all started to pray and open the Bible and they they turned their hearts over to God because they saw the example of the, the young brat, the, you know, the little kid, you know, going and, 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 and being in this peace and being in this zeal. Um, and so that's the biggest treasure I have in my heart that I thank God for it. Not me. I'm just a vessel. I, I would have been, I would have gone a completely different way in life at that point if it wasn't for God, because yeah. I had darkness and pain and, and anxiety. No, not, not so much anxiety, but I had, um, uh, had, I had kind of like vengeance on my heart and in my mind, sure. you know, those bullies, those yeah. bullies, man, you like, I, I had anger just fomenting within me. And, um, and actually part of the, part of the thing that I did to kind of heal from that, along with, you know, my conversion with Christ, it was, I started to get into sports in a big way and eventually I got into boxing. Yeah. Um, and so you talk about like the teeter totter, maybe the teeter totter effect of like, Oh, now you're saved. Now you're in the walk of Christ, but the evil ones always kind of like calling you back this way or, or whatever it is. And so sure. one of the things I battled with, to be honest with you for the longest time was just that rage and aggression, um, yeah. feeling taken advantage of and, and, and the sense of bullying, get punched, getting beat up and, and jumped and all that. So, I took to the boxing gym, man, and I learned how to defend myself and I trained, I got fit and um, I would, I would fight, I would box. And, um, you know, within the boxing gym, it was an agreement, nothing big, you know, it, it's a sport, but there was a time there in my um, late teens, early twenties that I'll be honest with you, man, I, I, I kind of got a little reckless with that and got into a few street fights and got into to a little bit of a trouble. It's the, it's, sure. I think it was the evil one just kind of like taking trying to lure something you away. Yeah, He's trying to lure you away. He's like, oh, you've got this, you've got this skill here. Now I'm going to use yeah. this childhood wound and I'm going to lure you back out and right. I'm going to, you know, lure you away from the flock and pull you away. Yeah. Po poking at the ego, poking at the ego, like, you know? And so for a long time, I was like, when I would fight people, I, I would see the bullies that I could never get back at, you know, type of deal. Um, but then, you know, thank God, you know, that, that, that phase kind of went away and I was able to, to, to get more peace. And so, um, yeah, I, I would just say that, but by and large, most of my teen years into early twenties was being in the church, being a youth group leader, going on retreats, um, considering the seminary, all those kind of things. Um, really until my, late twenties and I got into my late twenties. I, uh, that's whenever I came over to San Diego because 
I met a group of entrepreneurs, uh, digital entrepreneurs that kind of like really um, surprised me and impressed me. And I thought, hey, I want to do that. I want to be online. I want to work from home type of deal. So then sure. I moved here to San Diego and um, <laughs> talk about uh, the uh, belly of the well or the, uh, the jaws of the lion, man. There's like some, no offense to the listening audience, but there's a lot of liberal stuff going on around here, you know? <laughs> and uh, for a Christian, specifically for a Christian, it's like, wow, like it's, it's pretty heavy over here. Like I'm from, I'm from conservative Dallas, Texas, you know, we still have that Southern hospitality. We still have Christian, largely Christian values, but here it's like a, it was different, man. It was different. So, um, when I came out here in 2019, patience to love, 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 I, love much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I basically had to, that actually that made me double down and, and then and then hold my faith even stronger because I, I could see that it was more it was more difficult especially being here in downtown San Diego and so um, ever since I got out here you know I had big dreams of uh, being in the digital space being this entrepreneur making a lot of money but I always had this resounding cry this prayer in my heart I said God if it's without you I don't want it right that was the one prayer and so then I came out here. And the beautiful thing to kind of answer your question kind of in a long-winded way, but about how my life has been since that, how I've put it in, put the faith into practices. Yeah. Being, being here uh, around my new uh, group, my entrepreneur friends, the people that I go to events with and all this kind of stuff. And um, I've kind of naturally been that, that Christ-centered person, that I've been that light on a hill, if you want to say to other people. And I've been that person that people see my behavior, my conduct, the, the, the joy in my heart. And they have questions, you know, they, they ask like, Whoa, like what, what are you on? You know, what, you, what what's going on with you and what's your secret? And uh, do you, what do you Tai Chi? Do you yoga? Do you, what is it? You know, like, I'm like, nah, man, it's Christ. And if you talk to me deep enough, I'll tell you about it if you want to know. And then what flows out of me is what the spirit puts in me scripture prayer, God stories, you know, things like that. It's awesome. It's so good. So good, man. So yeah. I, you know, I, I love hearing this cause there's so many people that I'm sure, even though it's not everyone's story to get reached when they're, when they're that young, but the temptation that comes along with that, it's, it's, it's not all, you know, it's not like happily ever after once, conversion happens. And I think that it's good for people to, to hear that and know that, you know, it's just a constant, you know, walk and building relationship with Christ. And, and, you know, as we, as we go forth and I loved what you said about, you know, you know, God put dreams in your heart, but you know, if, if you had to go to pursue all these things without him, it, you know, it's all for nothing. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe as we're, you know, coming to, you know, the, the, the latter part of the show, can you share a little bit about, you know, how you're, how you're pursuing the Lord with your work and how, how he, how he co-labors with you on, on what you're doing now? Yeah. Thanks for the question, man. Um, yeah. This year has been, has been, has been pretty heavy for me. Um, God has really been tugging at my heart this year specifically. Um, it was really in March, uh, right before Easter. Um, I was, I was entering a stage in my life where I was working a lot. I was being a little too self-reliant, um, not really taking my faith as seriously as I knew I could. 
And um, so then the 40 days before Easter, you know, there's that Lent season, the 40 days in the desert, symbolic of that, preparing for Easter. And um, I always try to enter into that season with prayer, fasting, almsgiving, doing something special before Easter to just to really celebrate the risen Christ. And um, I was racking my brain trying to think what I could do. Well, I come up upon a post on Facebook and um, an entrepreneur friend of mine had posted this long, you know, those long multi-paragraph posts that yeah. you see yeah. and you're like, well, I'm not going to read that. Like, it was way too long. You know, like, <laughs> who does that? I even like that a... person. I'm still not going to read it. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So no, no, no shame, no shame in the game, but I saw that and I saw, I saw a picture of like his family and, and, and then just, the, and I was like, what, what I'm going to read it. So, and so then I started reading and it was basically him saying, I was never what you would call a good man growing up. And I thought when I got married, that that would change me. That would change my heart to be a good man, to be responsible, to be accountable, to be a good hearted man. And really, when I got married, he says, I just got worse. And I felt a lot of shame for that, you know, and he said, but then I had a son. And when that son grew up, I said, I know that this is going to change my heart. I know that I'm going to change my sinful ways and all this stuff. And he said, and no, I didn't change. And I got a little worse. And he said, you know what? This is kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back because now you know, now I have this family and now it's not about me. Now I have to be this, a better man for my family. It's what he was saying in his long paragraph. And then he said, then I remember the time that I was the happiest. And that time was growing up, praying, going to church when I, when I was a kid. And I said, he said, why don't I return to that? Why don't I take the 40 days before Easter and commit daily to going to service a daily mass every day. And why don't I take my young son with me? He's like an eight-year-old son or something. And he did. 7 a.m. every day, he went for 40 days. He said, And then he said, this is what finally changed my heart. This is what finally changed my heart to be the man that I knew that I could be. And I just allowed God in and he poured graces over me. And because God always gives you more, the relationship with my son completely 180'd and now we're close and that bled over to relationship with my wife and a lot of reparation happened and now you know the beautiful effect of, of christ happened allowing him into the heart again and so so that i was reading that and i was like whoa that's pretty heavy i'm like i know what i need to do 40 days before easter i need to commit to daily service to daily mass and so i did so I went on this 40-day desert season of prayer, fasting, almsgiving, and daily service, daily mass. And man, even a week or, or a week and a half in, man, I was, I was so spiritually in tune. I was, I was so aware of God in my life at every corner, at every turn, because now I'm getting catechized. Now I'm getting all of the scripture in my brain every single day. Now I'm getting the communal prayer of everyone there in me. Now I'm opening up the Bible even more. Now I'm listening to more praise and worship. Now I'm bringing up God like never before in my conversations. And now I'm happier. Now I have more energy. 
And uh, so that's what was happening during the 40 days. I have two God stories that I want to share with you, man, because I think it's good for the audience. And yeah, let's do the first it. One, yeah, man. The first one. Um, so some some background here. Um, me and my brother-in-law, we have this um, digital marketing education company. We help teach um, new entrepreneurs how to run their marketing agencies and the highest level of that package that we offer because we offer different programs at the highest level we put on these really high ticket high profile events um at, at a penthouse here in a little italy you know it's just like over the top large penthouse um five-star dining catered chefs the whole thing so that's kind of like the environment and so we decided to put on an event for military veterans um, it was called the military wealth summit and as a keynote speaker, we had uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He was there. And um, this was super high profile. We had probably a room of like 50 or so veterans that were trying to um, get into the digital space, like specifically transition from the military to the digital space. We had yeah. other speakers there too. It was a big deal. Okay. So I'm in the middle of this desert season, you know, before Easter, I'm fasting, no alcohol, prayer, um, daily, daily mass. And, and I'm just like spiritual. I'm like on week two or week three, something like that. And um, so we have a cocktail hour on a Friday where everyone gets to kind of meet and greet um, before the workshop the next day. And everyone's, you know, the alcohol's flying. Everyone's laughing, music's blazing, all that, all that. And I'm like basically the only one not drinking, right? <laughs> And um, so I don't know, I just I just found myself in a little area and I, I noticed this man and I could sense something in him that wasn't right, like a like a darkness or a cloud over him. And sure. so I got to talking to him and it was this uh, 65 year old veteran guy that was there that was kind of like introverted. And um, so we get to talking. Um, and then he starts to share deeply about his life and his story. And he, he shared with me some of his challenges and um, some of the darkness that he was going through and the sadness that he was going through, um, you know, and whatever we could fit in just like a basically less than an hour of talking. And so that conversation ended with us in the middle of this big penthouse embracing him crying into my shoulder, like wetting my suit jacket. And so here we are, like, <laughs> no, this young guy, this older guy, strangers, just crying, he's just hugging and he's crying. And I'm just like basically consoling him. And I'm, I'm like firm in the spirit. And I'm just like putting my hand over him and praying over him. And so we had that moment. And it's the interesting thing is that I don't think anybody really noticed because everyone was in their zone and, you know, uh, throwing, throwing the alcohol back and all that. So, so that happened. Okay. The next day. Uh, we start the workshop early. We get to lunch and we have these catered chefs with these long tables. And so I get with my plate, I go and I started to stack my plate up. And out of the corner from my blind side, somebody comes up to me and whispers in my ear and is like, this is for you like that. And, and it was the same man. And he slips a note in my jacket pocket. And uh, I just kind of like, didn't make a big deal. And I was like, all right. And I got the food and I went to the back kitchen yeah. of the house and I, I opened the letter and it was a, it was an eight page. Whoa. Suicide, 
suicide letter. Eight-page suicide letter. Whoa. Um, and he's, he gave it to me, man. And, and in the letter, he started to write about his life in detail. This is the happiest I was ever, I could ever remember in my life. I had my wife, I had my kids going, going on and on and on. And like a rock rolling down a, a, a hill, like he just started saying how everything was taken away from him. Health issues, wife um, infidelity, wife um, was sabotaging his reputation, got him fired from his job as a teacher. Kids disown him, alcoholism, drugs, all the way. That's how, that's how that happens, man. Wow. Rock bottom doesn't exist, man. It just, it just keeps going lower and lower and lower, right? That's the misnomer. If anyone's going through this and says, I'm at rock bottom, throw my hands up, it doesn't matter anymore. Trust me, it can get worse. And, and proof of that was that letter. And so finally, at the end of the letter, he was like, I've been thinking about it for weeks to take my own life and just, you know, end the misery. I don't want to do it. Please help me. That was a letter, man. Wow. Wow. And reflecting on that, if I weren't, if I wasn't in a fasted, prayerful state going to daily mass, I would have probably been drinking too. I would have probably not seen him. I would have not had that initial encounter with him. He would have not opened up. He wouldn't have given me that letter. And just how God works in that moment. Yeah. In those sequence of events. I was like, Talk about a God story, man. That actually happened. And so thankfully, after the fact, me and um, my network, we, we helped him. And we helped him with resources. We helped him kind of get it back on his feet. We helped him with um, some of our services. And so that's the, uh, that's, that happened like just a few weeks into me surrendering into following Christ in a more dynamic way. Um, then second quick story is... Yeah. Um, after Easter, now I'm, I'm in full swing. Now I'm after, after the 40 days, I said, I love God resurrected and was reborn in my heart in a, in a dynamic way, like in a more, a deeper, more profound way. So I just kept doing it until now you ask about how I'm keeping the faith. Every chance I get as best as I can, I do the daily mass. I do the daily service and I take that hour a day and I live here in downtown. I have the luxury that I can just walk and go and take a little reprieve from my day and pray. And, and, um, it's my, it's my, it's my place of refuge, man. It's a place where I can let all the walls down and just be spiritually recharged and then come back and be like, like nothing happened type of deal. I've been doing that since after East every, ever since, um, that transformation in my life, I've been doing it ever since I was, we're later in the year now. So it's been beautiful. So during that time, um, I like to take walks here in downtown, go down by the bay. I went on one of my one of my regular walks. I'm listening to scripture in my ear in my ear pods, and then I walk back. So um in the area of downtown I live in, um I'm like crossing the street to get to my condo, and across the street from the corner of my eye as I'm walking by, I notice somebody looking at me. And again, I'm in a prayerful state, fasting prayerful state. And I noticed somebody looking at me and I turned to look and I lock eyes with this homeless man who is sitting down covered in dirt 
in kind of like a dark shaded area underneath the covering and his eyes are white and piercing and we locked eyes and I could see the hurt in his eyes. Not like a, I could see a profound hurt, like beyond, oh, I have an injury, but like a soul type of hurt in him. Yeah. And so my heart, I felt a heart tug to do something, to say something. But then, you know, the, the logical mind and uh, kind of gets in the way sometimes. The human mind gets in the way. And so I, I thought to myself in the same breath, I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, uh, like this complete stranger. So I kind of talked myself out of it. And so then I cross the street, get into my lobby. And dude, I am, I had my finger on the elevator button. I couldn't push it, man. The tug came back into my heart. I couldn't push it, man. God was, God was yelling at you. <laughs> he was like, go, go do something. I'm like, yes, sir. And I start walking and I'm like, what am I going to do? As I'm walking, I'm like, every step, I'm like, what? You better think fast. You're getting closer. <laughs> and um, so then I got close enough to him. And then a, an idea came into my mind because I saw a convenience store. I'm like, I'm just going to buy him some stuff. Maybe he's hungry and thirsty. So I veer off into the convenience store and I buy two Fiji waters and uh, some trail mix, different trail mix snacks. And then I get up to him and I slowly walk over to him with the bag. And um, he's like kind of spaced out. He's just kind of sitting there. And I inched closer to him and then I finally get his attention. And then I stooped down and I said, hey, would you like some water? And then he kind of lit up and he's like, thank you. And I received the water. And sometimes whenever I give, um, especially to homeless, I like to humanize the conversation. I like to get like two different types of snacks, let's say, and, I, and give them the choice. Hey, I have this snack. I have this snack. Which one would you prefer? You know, or if I have a piece of pizza, I'd be like, Hey, um, I have this type of pizza or two, you know, different type of pizza. Which one do you like to kind of humanize it and give them a choice? And then they love that. They're like, oh, you know, well, he loved that. And so he got his snacks. I'm sitting there with him for like 15 minutes, man, just in silence. And he's drinking water and he's like eating snacks and I, not saying not saying a word, man. I just I just kind of sat there with him. And I, I didn't feel like nothing, I didn't feel like anything needed to be said. It was just like a presence, you know, just, just being with him. And he, so he, he drank and everything. And so then eventually I got up because I had to go and do some work in my office, here in my office. So I just said goodbye to him. I said, all right, um, I got to get going. Um, and then I said, God be with you. And then I gave him a fist bump. When I said God be with you with the fist bump, man, his eyes started to water up. And he started to cry streams and then he started to speak after not speaking that whole time and he's like yes yes god be with you uh he said god be with me god be with you god be with your family god be with my family i love my family i miss my family and he just starts speaking and all these things man with tears in his eyes a little bit overwhelming and so i i just kind of did this genuflection and I said goodbye and I, and I went into my lobby to the office in my, in my apartment and I got into like a I mean I had that in my mind and in my heart but I had to get into this like three hour two and a half hour workflow in my office and so here I am and getting lost in work and then I felt another tug in my heart that told me because I hadn't been to service I hadn't been to mass that whole day because yeah. I was working and all go to mass go to service 
and I was tired and I was like, oh. I was like seriously not wanting to go because I was tired. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go. And so then um, actually I, I just got an Uber, I think. And um, then I was walking down, down the elevator back the same way to the street. And I look at the area where that homeless guy was and there's a police officer standing right there. And I walk up and then the area where the guy was, was blocked off by yellow caution tape. And I, and I go up to the police officer and I said, uh, officer, you know, what's going on here? What happened? And he turns, cause he's kind of blocking the view, but he turns and he's like, he turned to a, a, a person with a blanket over him. I said, this homeless man just died. And it, it was the same guy. He goes, about an hour ago or so, this man just passed away. Oh, my goodness. That hit me like a ton of bricks, man, in my yeah. heart. I was, like, I was like, I told the officer, I had to tell him what happened. I mean, I was just here with him, you know, and I gave him some water. And the ironic part about it was the police officer was like so cold. He was like, I, I see these kind of things happen all the time. And he just kind of brushed it away. And so then my Uber comes and then the Uber driver comes up and he asks questions about what happened. And so here I am telling him my story and it's like working in his heart and he's like on the verge of tears. And then, then I get dropped off at church and then I, I offer up all my prayers to that man, you know? Um, yeah. And so that's basically the story. And after that, I, um, I remember I had another event coming that same weekend, so I didn't really have time to process it at the moment because I had a speaking engagement um, at one of our events. But after that, shortly, I started to think about it more. And the main thing that I'm just left with is, you know, the go left or go right motif, you know, the, the tug in the heart, each like, profound tugs in the heart to do what was right. And if I would have gone left or right, especially like, especially like at the end of the day, if I wouldn't have gone down to mass, you know, to service, uh, I would have never known that he even passed away. Right. You know, I would have been napping or something. So, yo, two God stories for you and your audience, man. <laughs> hey, man, it's so incredible how God speaks to us through the spirit. And it's just, <clears throat> you can't, I, I, when these things happen, you know, you, you impacted obviously these people, but you know, it also impacted you. And yes. it's just one of these things that now you can take and you can also share those, those stories with other people. And it's just, you know, it's, um, it's encouraging. And so, man, I, I so appreciate you just sharing today. This is awesome. Um, for anyone that, you know, wants to learn more about George. I'm sure George is going to give me his, his bio and a uh, different contact or whatever. I'll put that in the show description, but I, George, thank you so much for being on the show and, and just encouraging people. This is just so awesome. We, we appreciate you so much. Lord of God. Thank you for having me on Brent. Absolutely, man. Hey, take care. Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you on the next one.